He might be working, ain't nothing sweet, I'm deserted uh, Deep in this furnace, you know when you can't discern If life is a sentence or purpose and when they hurt you You are who you turn to, who you turn to Who you turn to, when it burns through No, we didn't curse you, turn my tremble to your temple If the answer is no, I'll be singing in this pit, Lord Yes, Excited to worship the Lord together. 
Um, let's read our call to worship as a family, just to calibrate our hearts. So here we are. To all who are spiritually weary and seek rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who struggle and desire victory, to all who sin and need a savior, to all who are strangers and want fellowship, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to whoever will come, this church opens wide her doors and offers her welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. I invite you to stand and let's give God some glory. Right here. Glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to God. Glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to God. Yeah. To the only God, my master, Savior, be majesty, dominion,
receiving, greeting each other this morning. Psalm 91, Psalm 121, that we can dwell in the shelter of the Most High, that we are safe under His wings. Doesn't mean we don't encounter challenges and all the things, but ultimately, we are with Him. So we're going to sing this truth to wash over yourselves from this week, from this year, just for life in general, that our God is not a liar. We're safe with Him. When 10,000 arrows take flight, remind me that you are my armor. When there's no place I can hide, I'm desperate for shelter. Yeah. 
fridge. I got to keep that. Keep that in your back pocket. You're not threatened by the Lord. Yes. <laughs> Sing it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, you could do that. You're not threatened by the war. You're not shaken by the storm. I know you're in control. You're in control. Even when I'm suffering. Even when I'm suffering. I like that part. Did, you, did y'all write that, or is that that's part of it? That's Lauren? That's Lauren Daigle? Go ahead, Lauren Daigle. Listen, Lauren, I love it. Uh, <laughs> hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to the Brook. You may be seated. Uh, thank you for those who are joining us online, uh, middle of a global pandemic, tropical storm Fred, 2021. Here we go, right? Um, couple things before we continue um, in our time of gathering. The first is, for you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Mucci. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, and then every year, annually, I have the opportunity, me and my, my wife and our family, we have the opportunity, I should just in Jesus' name, that's my wife. Me, uh, my wife, and our family, we have the opportunity to get away for five weeks. It's our sabbatical. Um, and the only reason we're able to do that is because of you guys, because of your faithfulness, because of your consistent generosity, because of the belief in knowing that, one, our church doesn't rise and fall on any personality. It is rooted in the hand of God and in the people of God, our, our body. And so... Man, just on behalf of my family, man, we just wanted to say thank you for consistently making space for that. It was an opportunity to be refreshed, to be refined, um, and to just kind of lean into who God is and what God, I believe, is saying to us for the season that we all find ourselves in. Um, in fact, um, if, if this is your first time, and we want to connect with you. Uh, we have this app, the Bible app. You go to the Bible app if you don't have it. Android, iOS, download it, and it has all of the announcements. It has all of the information on what it looks like to connect. But also, you could text the word CONNECT to 786-321-7090. That's 786-321-7090. Text the word CONNECT, and we will connect with you and just see what God is doing in your life and how we could join him as he's working in your life every day we come together on a Sunday and we gather, and it's supposed to be meaningful. Uh, this morning in my time of devotion with the Lord, um, I just felt like he was just laid something on my heart that I wanted to share with us. And um, it's really based on this illustration that we all know. If you're invited to a function or a party, um, what is the first question you're gonna ask? Who's gonna be there, right? And depending on who's gonna be there, how that question is answered, you may or may not go, 
right? Um, and when they start to rattle off the list of people who are gonna be there, um, if they're people that you vibe with, right, or people that you're looking to connect with, you wanna network for whatever reason, what starts to happen in your heart, it happens in the heart of every single one of us, is anticipation starts to build. You start to have this anticipation that is building to see the people that you wanna see because you vibe with them or to meet some new people because you wanna connect with them as well. And what all of us know is anticipation leads to action. And so you start to move in a particular way, you get your hair done, you get your famous kicks on, and you act in a particular way based on what you're anticipating in your heart. That posture of anticipation is the posture that Jesus says every single one of us should have every single Sunday. Every time we gather, God invites us to have a posture of anticipation before we get here and while we're here. And that anticipation should lead to particular action and the action isn't necessarily external, look your best, although be fly, my brother, you're free, all right? But the anticipation that leads to action is one of honest assessment, where we're honest before God with where we are and where we might wanna be emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And not just honest assessment, but courageous communion, where we pray, and we praise, we lift our hands, we sing and we shout, we declare words of truth, you're my treasure. You have me under your wings. And so wherever you are right now, I do not know how the summer has been for you. I'm walking into Delta variant and then some. Our brothers and sisters across the globe, particularly in Haiti, seem like they're experiencing one thing after another thing after another thing. But wherever there could be a posture of anticipation leading to action to say there's a God who wants to meet with us. God wants to meet with us today. And to that end, we're going to read from the scripture that we believe he wants to meet with us through, which is Colossians chapter 3. Pastor Gio will be preaching today. He brought the heat last service, and so we expect the same. So I'll read from the passage and then we'll pray together specifically for Haiti. Um, Colossians 3, 1 through 4 reads like this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Um, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Um, let's pray. Father, whether or not we are presently anticipating you meeting with us, or whether or not we are carried by the wave of routine, you are gracious to encounter us faithfully and truly. God, we've already met you in song, in prayer, in our call to worship. But God, I pray that we would continue to just have this growing sense that you want to work with us, that you want to draw us in to love and 
an ever-increasing experience of joy because you are who you say you are. We anticipate that. We anticipate that you are a promise keeper and we need the promises of your provision and your protection right now in our city. And we need those promises right now with our brothers and sisters in Haiti who are experiencing Psalm 130 in real time. Life in the depths where it is difficulty, it is trial, and despair is around the corner. It's life in the depths. God, protect those in Haiti right now, please. And remind them that though Psalm 130 may seem like the surrounding circumstances of this season, it's more than just life in the depths around the corner of despair. There's a God who hears our cries from the depths. There's a God who meets with us in the depths. So God, meet with those in Haiti right now. Meet with those here in Miami who are connected to Haiti and are just trying to figure out what is going on. And God, would you allow your church, your people, your family, those who claim you to prove their identity through prayer and generosity for those who are suffering in this moment. Now, God, as we continue to sing, would you stir our affections? Would you prepare our hearts to hear from you through the preaching of your word? All this we ask and then some. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
yourself, remind the truth. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. Yeah. I know what you spoke.
Father God, sometimes when we sing truth that we know is true about you, all of our body recoils against it because of what we're facing, what we're seeing, what we're thinking, what we're filling the blank ing. We do this over and over again. And we forget that when we call you great, when we call you good, that that applies to us. Not in a self-centered way. You are the center of the universe. That's not confusing. But yet and still, you do not leave our good out to the wind. Your glory is for our good. So just please meet us where we are. Whether we're recoiling at the truth that we know or hearing it for the first time, or we're just trying to figure out how to keep the momentum of this time that's going well. Father, I just ask for each person in this room that you will not let us waste this space, this time together. The joy of worshiping you in song with our feet touching the same ground or our eyes looking on the same screen. That your people will rise up and call you great and say that your works and your wonders are matchless. That you have kept the heavens exactly as they need to be, everything in orbit, and you see the needs of our hearts, the doubts, the fears, the, the pains of culture and structure and family. You see it, and you're so great that you can handle atoms all the way to the big things that we can't fathom the change in our lives. We will call you great and God because that's who you Let's do this in English first. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. No matter what I face, Lord, yes, yeah. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. We'll give you glory, Lord. We'll give you glory, Lord, my
lie about where we are um, in our walk with Christ, but we can be real because Christ meets us where we're at constantly. Um, and that, man, what a freeing reality we have in our relationship with him. It's been a lot going on. Um, it's been a lot going on, I feel like, in the lives of individuals. Um, there's been a lot, going on along, a lot going on collectively. There's a lot going on in the world. Um, you prayed for Haiti earlier. Um, I remember having the conversation. I can't remember who I was talking to, but one of the comments that I've said, and I've said this before, um, was like, man, sometimes you just feel like it's like you ask God, man, when am I going to get a breath to breathe, you know, a break? Because there's so many different things going on, one thing after the next. Um, Y'all know some of our, our, our story. Our son was in the hospital for the past um, seven months prior to him getting out. It's been about a year that he's been um, on his ventilator. He's here today, praise God. Um, yeah. But it's been an eventful year for, for us, a lot, a lot happening. Um, some things were, are exciting, but most of it extremely challenging. Um, a lot of question. I know that I've, I've also you know, struggled with the lack of community because I've been you know, um, home most of the time with my son Josiah. And when you're, when you're going through things and you're dealing with different situations, you definitely feel the weight of, of um, not having community around um, and, and the implications that it has on you. So I, I know that even during this season, I've been struggling with you know, identity and, and where I'm placing my hope and things of that nature. So this word right here um, definitely uh, came at the right time. I wasn't even supposed to preach this word, but Dr. Skodal had something to do um, and asked if someone could switch. And I saw it and I was like, yeah, man, this is definitely something that I, that I need to hear first and foremost from God. Um, so thank you, Dr. Skodal. Appreciate it. So last week, Brother Jonathan came up with some energy and preached an awesome word reminding us that, that uh, our walk with, with Christ, um, our relationship with Jesus, is based on that relationship. Um, it is not based on do's and don'ts. And I know that a lot of us, we've suffered from that syndrome where we are trying to mark the check on the box. You know, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Uh, a lot of the way our world is set up is just, is very that. You know, corporate is very like, you got to do this in the morning. You got to do it like this. You got to do it like that if you want to get paid. If not, you're going to get fired. You know, um, as, as kids growing up, most of our parents were raised that way. You don't do this, you do do that. And if you ask them why, it's why are you questioning me? I mean, that was my um, experience growing up. You know, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a big overthinker. You know, I can overthink a lot. And uh, <laughs> Moochie, yeah, he knows. Um, I, I overthink a lot, and I, and I think a lot of that was because of the way my psyche was set up growing up. You know, everything was don't do this, don't say that, don't, you know, I wasn't able to really have much freedom to figure things out on my own um, or, or think much of, at all for myself, you know. Um, it was very regulatory. And that, that's a huge issue when it comes to this journey that we're on uh, with Christ because if we think for a second that it's us that gets us from point A to point B, we're highly mistaken. And we realize really quickly that we're banging our head against the wall over and over and over in life when we're encountered with different situations because we're trying to earn something, because we're working towards something, and we forget 
what it is that Christ actually did. We forget that we are anchored mentally, emotionally, spiritually to the great hope, which is Christ himself. But we also forget that it's not us that does the anchoring, and I want to show that today. It's Christ that does it, and we respond a certain way. Um, so we're going to read Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, the hearts and minds set on hope. That's just the title. Well, I actually titled that. I'm not going to lie. That came from Mucci. Um, when he sent us over the, the, the different verses that we're going to preach on. But what I put was like, he who anchors. That, that's the title of this message, is he who anchors. Um, so I'm going to start off by, by reading Colossians 3, verse 1. Just want to unpack that just a little bit. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We've all heard this scripture. We've all mostly read this scripture Um, that we are to think differently, we are to see things differently, Um, we are not to be like the rest of the world. Uh, But I love the way that this, the beginning of this sentence is postured, um, if then you have been raised with Christ. If then, and what that does is it causes us to, to reflect. Before we read any further, there's a question pretty much at hand. Have you been raised with Christ? And in reflecting that, If you've been raised with Christ, it causes you to do a few things. It causes you to go back before you were a Christian. It causes you to reflect on the fact that there even was a before. Because if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we forget that there was a before. We are living our quote-unquote Christian lives with a posture of our heart that's sometimes non-existent, that should be there, and I want to point that out a little later, because we forget about where we started. There's a saying, you know, never forget where you came from. And a lot of times people say that because they, they, they don't want you to lose that posture of humility in life. You might have gone from one level to the next or gone from some type of glory to the other, and you forget that, hey, you started off over here, and it wasn't by you that you even got there. So don't forget where you came from. So let's read Ephesians 2, 1 through 8, because Ephesians 2, 1 through 8 really unpacks the before and the after, which is necessary for us to move forward. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind and by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That is the before. That at one point, we just did whatever the heck we felt. No regard, no conviction, we were walking blind. But God, rich in his mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So I want to highlight the first part of verse 2, and it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sin. There's a lot of different sayings and analogies that go on in churches today um, where it it describes where we were before we met Jesus. And and a lot of times 
it, it, it's, it's not too accurate, you know, because it's, it's, it's fluffed up a little bit um, to add the imagery, I guess. But the reality is, it's not that we were close to death. It's not that we were standing like at the edge of a cliff and, and, and Christ grabbed us before we died. Scripture is saying that we were dead. Right? You got you to gotta, you gotta pause there. Because when you're dead, there's implications to that. You're lifeless. You're immovable. You're blind. You're helpless. And Christ is saying that that's what we were. Scripture is saying that's what we were. We were actually, we were dead. Helpless, immovable. I'll share a story and I'll make it quick because I get a little emotional when I talk about this. But um, my son was in the hospital for, for, for uh, seven months, and the first week home, we didn't, under, we didn't know what to expect. We thought, he's coming home, that means things are going to get much better, right? Things got a lot harder once, once he got home. Um, we had 24-hour nurse care. We still do. We have 24-hour nurse care. Um, not that our nurses are always there. It's been very hard to staff nursing. But for the first six days, we had no nurse. So Joan and I weren't getting much sleep at all, and we're still trying to maintain everything else that we're working on. We finally had a night shift nurse, and she comes over, and she says, Mom, Dad, you guys got to get some sleep. This is why I'm here. You know, I, knew this, I knew the sensitivities that my son had, his oxygen levels, his reserve was extremely low. And you know, him using the bathroom and bearing down was enough to cause his oxygen levels to completely destat to the point where he needs CPR and oxygen because he can't handle not, have, not breathing for very short periods of time. So I explain this to the nurse. I say, hey, listen, if his oxygen levels drop below the 80s, immediately you come get me, you turn on his oxygen, right? Alarm goes off maybe two hours later into my sleep. I jump up out of bed. She's holding my son like this, and he's like dark red and kind of like trying to pat his back as she's holding him. I looked over, I saw that the oxygen levels were below um, what it should have been. It was in the 80s, and his oxygen hadn't been turned on. So immediately I run over to the tank, I turn on the oxygen levels. By the time I turn back around, she, put my, she had put my son down, and her hands are in the air, and she's praying because he stopped breathing, right? Now, I appreciate the prayers, but the response should have been for her as a nurse to begin resuscitating my son. You know, oxygen, giving him oxygen, um, applying CPR. So I run over, and thank God we were in the hospital for seven months, and I started to do what I was taught to do. I didn't think twice. But in the process, my son had completely stopped trying to breathe, so there was no more extensions, inhalation, or anything like that. His color was, you know, blue-gray. His eyes were completely glossed over, so in other words, there was no more eye movement. And then if you look into, if you look into anybody's eyes that is, is on the verge of not making it or passing over, you'll see that there is a, a very distinctive look. They don't look at you. They almost are looking through you. That's what it seems like, that you're, they're just looking through you. There's no life there. So as I'm doing this, it was probably 60 seconds into me pumping air into my son and not moving and not taking any breaths. And I said something to myself that I probably shouldn't have said. It was foul. And then it was followed by, God, you're taking my son home. Because that's what I, that, that's, I was preparing mentally myself for that moment because it didn't look like nothing was going to happen. Thank God, eventually, about 30 seconds later, you know, there was a twitch of his eye, and then all of a sudden he started to take a little bit of breath, and his oxygen level started to kick in. Um, and now he's back there. You know, half the time he has an attitude. Um, but I wanted to give you that imagery. I wanted to give you that imagery because that's the state that we were in. See, if it, if it wasn't for me applying oxygen to my son, 
aggressively like that, he would not be here today because there was nothing within my son, within himself, at the moment that he stopped breathing to bring him back. Right? There was nothing that he could have done within himself to give him life. And that's exactly where we were. So when you read this scripture and it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, that is not something you just you graze by. Because you were once dead. Dead. And if you move from that point realizing that you were once dead, it changes the rest of this. It impacts the rest of this. It impacts the rest of your, 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 your journey as a Christian. See, there's a complexity. There is a complexity to God. Even the way we're designed, it's, it's very complex. But there's a, a beautiful simplicity to how he saved us. And the fact that he saved us. You understand? When our eyes are open, we are, we, we, we are, are positioned to be able to see it clearly. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we know this to be true. We know this to be true, not to seek the things of the world, not to listen to the noise. But man, it, so often we, we, we fall off course. So often our eyes wander. So often we start to seek different things, whether it be because we're going through a situation and we're trying to just ease the pain. But this leads us to a space of sin because when we start seeking earthly things, we don't just seek it. We begin to have passions for it. We begin to lust after it. We begin to idolize these things because now we're taking our minds off of Christ. I just to share some of my own sin. Um, you guys, I'm, I'm, I love business, right? I got a huge passion for business. I've always been like that since I was a kid. I am not a good employee. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not a good employee. I never have been, um, because I just have a desire to lead, to, to create, to build. It is it's just in me. I want to create something for myself. I just love the process. It doesn't matter what it is. I love the process. Um, and over this, this season of, of COVID, everything happening with my son, my ears were still perked up, opportunity. I'm always doing something, right? And I was presented with an opportunity to, to uh, start a, a trucking business. Um, I started doing some research. I met somebody that was doing it very successful and started pointing me in certain directions. And with everything going on, no community happening in my life, really, barely any, very little, you know, not being able to be here on Sundays and be, just being refreshed by the word because online is not the same. Um, I started to go all in. And, and, and you guys that know me, like, when I lock into something, it's like 100 miles an hour. And that's what I was doing for this business. In under 90 days, I built a trucking company from scratch, got a subcontract with a, a waste management company, um, got a contract with Ryder for three semi-trucks, and I was not ready for the challenges that were about to happen, right? Um, I entered the trucking industry in an extremely difficult time. It's similar to the housing industry. Like right now, if you own a home already and you're a real estate agent and you own homes already, it's great for you. Prices are going up. But if you try to get in now, it's very challenging because prices are going up. So it's expensive to buy real estate. Well, the same thing in the, in the, in the trucking industry. There's a huge um, um, 
attrition rate, 71% attrition rate of drivers, turnover on drivers. There's more companies that are hiring than there are um, um, drivers that are actually applying. So me working in waste management, I was literally losing drivers as fast as I was gaining them. And I'm, I'm paying to fly up to Atlanta like every week, every two weeks, and I'm getting a driver in the truck for three, for three days, and they're, then they're gone missing with my truck keys. Now, if you guys don't know how this works, when you, when you have a semi, and it's on a lease, and you take it off that lot, payments start. Payments start, whether you got a driver in the truck or not. So I'm panicking now, because I'm locked in. This, this scripture that's saying, seek the things that are above, I'm going to tell you what I was seeking. I was seeking this business. I was not thinking about Jesus and, 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 and Christ in my business. I'm just building this business because for me, with everything that I've been going through, with the position of my family and, and, and you know, with my son and just all these different things, I'm like, oh, this is the way out. This is the way out. So I'm, I'm moving and I'm shifting my anchor right now. My anchor that I know that has been implanted by Christ, I'm kind of moving it to the other side of the boat because I'm thinking that over here, I'm going to get some relief. Next thing you know, I'm getting a call that the driver never showed up, another driver, fourth driver never showed up, and I'm in bed and I'm, I'm crying because I'm, now I'm, I'm experiencing despair. I'm starting to feel hopelessness. And then, and then I, remember, I remember texting my wife. I said, I said, I'm 33 years old. I got no degree, and I got another business that's about to fail. You, you understand? And now my identity is getting confused. See, our situations are different, but, the, but it's the same when, when our hearts begin to wander. The implications are the same. It's just different. The moment the anchor begins to shift and our minds aren't set on Christ and we're not operating, it's not to say you can't pursue business or pursue the things you love and desire. But once we begin to idolize these things and they become our, our center focus, things begin to happen to us that aren't meant to happen. So in this process, this is what I'm going through. I'm, I'm, my wife is like, wait, Gio, like your identity, she, this is my wife, your, my, your identity I thought was in Christ. It's not in, in this trucking company. Like this is not a, like if it fails, it fails and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, nah, you don't get it. I can't go back to working for somebody else again. I'm not meant to be doing that. I've worked way too hard. See, we, now, now, we start, now we start to diminish things that shouldn't be diminished. And we start, to, we start to impose our own will without any consideration of God's will whatsoever. Whatsoever, but, but what's happening is we're, we don't even realize that we're doing it. We don't realize that we're doing it because we're blind to it. So clearly I needed, I needed Christ to meet me. I needed Christ to meet me where I was at. I needed to step back from what I was doing and recalibrate. I needed to kind of sober up a little bit. And you know how you sober up? When Christ shows up, you, you begin to see yourself. 
When he shows up, you see yourself. And I remember, I remember, I used to be dead. I was like my lifeless son at the time, with my eyes glazed over, no air being pumped into my body whatsoever, couldn't breathe on my own, hoping that someone would step in. And it was Christ that breathed into me. You understand? It was Christ that breathed. And, and see, and when you, when, when, you're, when you remember, it does something. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you in Scripture what it does. John does something to me that is so simple, but it's so great. And it just shows the posture of his heart and where, where, where it was and where our posture needs to be. Because I can tell you that spiritual disciplines is not enough. Because when we face those moments where we have no thirst for anything else but what we want, what is going to cause you to begin to pray longer or harder or read more? We need Christ to show up. So here in John 3, 30 through 31, before this, before this verse right here, what happens is Jesus is now baptizing people. And one of his, one of his um, disciples comes up and he's like, yo, John, what's going on? Like, he's baptizing people. I thought that's, that's what you do. And John responds with this. Verse, chapter 3, verse 30, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth. He's identifying himself as someone who comes from the earth, who belongs to the earth, and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven is above all. It's why he gives the analogy. He's like, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. No, this is his rightful place. And when your heart, when you meet, when Christ comes and meets you, because I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to show you guys that you, you guys don't even do this. Which just highlights the type of love God has for us. Because y'all don't even do this work. I don't even do this work. I respond to this type of work. But Christ shows up, reinserts himself into your life. You realize that you are dead. And then you realize, you know what? This ain't about me. I need to decrease so he can e increase. See, I always, I, you know, I preach compartmentalization all the time. I'm big on holistic way of living your life. All parts of our being and our creation is important to God, and we should care for all of it and treat it with respect. But you know what I do the most is I compartmentalize. I compartmentalize the things on this earth, my business ventures, you know, a lot of things, mostly my business ventures, and my relationship with God. Because there's, there's this part of me that makes me feel like, or this part, this, this, just, this, 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 uh, I can't, worldly way of thinking that, you know, well, well, this is business and then this is God. This is business and, and this is God. As if God don't want space in that. As if he doesn't want that for you too. We assume that, oh no, you just don't want me, so I gotta, I gotta separate the two worlds. No, he just wants us to operate in a way that, that, that everything we do, we give glory unto him, and the operation is ciphered through his will for us. So we're willing to go before him with what we have, and he's yeah, go ahead, do your thing. I remember I was talking to Moochie one time. This is, this is early on. 
And, and, and I said, man, sometimes I feel like my desire for business is sinful. And he's like, well, why, why, would you, why do you think that? He's like, no, brother, go. Build your business. Do your thing. And to me, that was, it was simple, but it was, it was very freeing because it was like, okay, like, yeah, this is not, this is not sin. This is, I mean, we have, we have the liberty to build businesses, work for someone, whatever the case may be. But I always wrestled with, what does it look like to cipher it through Christ? And this same principle applies to all of you. It applies to all of you. The reason we have an anchor and need the anchor rooted in Christ is so that nothing that we endeavor in, nothing that we do, no relationship that we get in can move us from what gives us life. So remembering that you were once dead positions your heart to respond in a way that says, man, I must decrease so he can increase. Last part, for, um, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when you also will appear with him in glory. Romans 6, 2 through 4. I love how Paul puts it. He says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Jump down to verse 9. It says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Man, that word to live, we undermine what it is to live because we are bombarded by struggle. We are bombarded by adversity. We are bombarded by letdown. We are bombarded by betrayal. So to even fathom that live means anything more than just getting by is hard. It's hard. It's hard to think that it's, it's possible this side to heaven, this side of heaven to actually have an abundant life where we can live free of fear knowing that we are rooted in Christ. It's hard. You take a blind man, right? And let's just say a procedure is done to this blind man. He's never seen before in his life. And his eyesight is restored. And you witness this. You walk outside with this, this individual that used to be blind, and you see him for the first time seeing color. For the first time associating smell now with what he sees. And there's just overwhelmed by emotion. He's looking at his family members and just seeing the beauty. And, 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 and now he's having this all the more appreciation for the work and the hand of God. Because now he can see. 
I remember the first time I traveled and I, and, and, and I went to um, Tahiti and, and I, for the first time I saw mountains. But I saw mountains in like, just like this surreal place. And I thought, oh my God, God made this. And it, it gave me this like newfound appreciation for the, the work and the creation of God. So this man, this blind man, this man that was once blind is, is feeling this, he's sensing it. And it's, it's throughout his entire body, he's like, wow, God is amazing. But then a week later, you're walking down the street and you see this same man that had his sight restored and he's holding his hands like this and walking. Everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, his hands, his hands are on his eyes. It makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. You have the eyes to see but you're choosing to put your hands on your eyes and now walk around and try to live life again back how you were. This is what Paul is saying. You have the ability to see and live an abundant life, but we constantly, myself included, put our hands on our perfectly good eyes and try to live life like that again. See, never forget as much as we've been redeemed, this side of heaven, we will always, always be susceptible to the old man. If you've, if you've gotten healthy before and you've lost weight and you felt good about yourself, you know that not much time will go by before you become susceptible to where you used to be. Our walk with Christ is no different. Here's the beauty, though. Here's the kicker. Here's the, here's, the, here's the icing on the cake. That even when we do this, because we will do it and we will continue to do it, Christ shows up and reinstates himself into our lives as the anchor. He does it. Not us, but he does it. Why? Because we belong to him. And his love for us is relentless. So he brings us back to the space where we remember. And then now we thirst. And then now we're applying these spiritual disciplines. And now we are living a life in abundance without fear. Our identity is now secured in Christ. It is Christ that reinstates himself into our lives as his anchor. It is Christ and his love for us that resets our mind back to him. Amen? Amen. God is good. I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we thank you. We're full of gratitude because we realize and we'll continue to realize just how much you do for us and just how little we do for ourselves. And it's all by your love and your grace. Father, we thank you that you begin to stir our affections for you again. We thank you that you begin to reinsert yourself into our hearts and our minds, reengaging that thirst for more, reengaging that thirst to read your word, to get into community, to be a part of the collective body. It is you. Father, we thank you for the patience that you have with us, 
Because we know again and again, you will remind us of who we are in our rebellion, in our selfishness, in our pride, in our ego. Lord, without you, we are nothing. It is you that breathed into us. It is you that, that, that brought about movement to our lifeless body, warm blood to our hearts, that bring life to our extremities. It is by your hand and your hand alone. So, Father, I, we, we must decrease as you increase. We must tear our clothes as a reminder that it is not us, but it is you. Father, we thank you for that and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We want to take a moment and pause and reflect on the message um, before we move forward. So let's do that. Pastor Gio, thank you for, um, for preaching, for bearing your soul and leading us through the word of God. Um, not only do we pause and reflect, um, but we respond with communion. Um, and as the team comes to sing, and Jonathan, if you could come as well, um, we want to take a moment to move from reflection to response If then, powerful question, have you been raised? And as Pastor Gia was talking about just the significance of a reminder to fight our amnesia, communion is God's grace to us. Communion is a moment where together we can be reminded of the simplicity yet nobility of the love of Jesus Christ that independent of us and our ability to earn it, our ability to cherish or treasure it, God demonstrates love that he comes and intercedes on our behalf, breathing life into our lungs again. That is the gospel. There is a God who sees us in our sin, in our death, but doesn't stay away. He intercedes. He steps in with love, and our only response is receiving it. If you haven't received it yet, this is your moment. When everybody's walking down, you walk down too, and you receive. Just believe that he cares and receive his work. And wherever you are, if you are in a space where you are consumed by grief, you are consumed by guilt, you are consumed by fear, you are frustrated, you are angry, you are angry at people, you are angry at God, that doesn't mean that you stay in your seat. And if somebody's told you that, they've told you wrong. 
because there's nothing that you could do to make yourself worthy for communion. And in those moments where you feel the most unworthy, you need it all the more to be reminded that God loves us as we are, not how we pretend to be. That God steps in with power and presence where we are for whatever we need. So as we sing and we celebrate and we reflect and we root our hearts in what Pastor Gio has preached through God's word, come receive these elements. Make your way around, come from my left, your right, take it at your leisure and we'll sing and celebrate before we dismiss with some announcements.
Are you playing moving forward? Is that what that is? <laughs> yo, Will is out here flexing, yo. Was that it? Was that, was that, was that moving forward? A little bit. I was about to start singing. I was in Jesus' name. I had a mic in my hand. It's dangerous. A um, couple of quick announcements before we get dismissed. It's a running joke, plus they won't let me. Um, first, again, just want to, again, just say my thanks um, on behalf of our family for just allowing us to get uh, time and space away uh, to breathe. Um, but we know rest is not something that you earn. It's something God gives us to enjoy. And wherever you are, there's supposed to be a moment of rest in your life and a rhythm of rest in your life so that we could constantly be refreshed for the work God has for us. Some of the work looks like what takes place on Sundays through singing, through serving, through uh, sharing smiles by holding doors open. And as we've been navigating life as a church in the pandemic, we have seen people step up and serve all the more. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for serving God in that way, in particular over this summer. And as we step into the fall, we are in need of more servants, those who will continue to serve out of a place of rest, out of a place of excitement, and out of a place of honor. And so if you're not plugged into a service ministry, whether it's through slides, whether it's through canvas, whether it's through outreach and missions, or whether it's through singing, we want to extend that opportunity uh, to you to connect with a service ministry. That's one of the announcements. Uh, the other is um, our marriage retreat. We're super excited about that. Um, we actually haven't had one in a very long time. Um, shame on us, okay? But we will be having a marriage retreat uh, this November, November 5th through 6th, and we're super excited about it because of who's going to be leading us in this time. One, it won't just be for our church. It will be for other churches as well in the city, churches that we've planted, churches that we've come alongside, churches that we're in relationship with, where we all could come together and experience rich content, meaningful relationships as we press into healthier marriages. And the people who are gonna lead us on that journey are dear friends of mine and mentors, Crawford and Karen Loritz. Um, they are the goat, 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 goats, all right? Um, particularly Crawford uh, Loritz. And not only is he gonna lead us um, through the marriage retreat with his amazing wife, but he's gonna preach for us that Sunday as well. And so um, if you have not pre-registered, go ahead and do that. It's just going to be a great space. If you know a couple who um, wants to have more intentionality with their marriage, send them to this retreat. It's going to be a, a dope time um, together. We do want to celebrate the fact that we collected a ton of backpacks and school supplies, and we were able to bless some people. And thank you. I don't know if Amanda here, the team that's just been grinding and gutting it out. We need more hands, all right? so that we could continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Now, um, we are going to dismiss in this way. I think it's appropriate because Will keeps flexing back there, um, and Gio brought that heat. Uh, our benediction comes from Jude, uh, verse 24 and following. It reads like this. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We have a God who keeps us.
even when we forget, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Brook family, you are dismissed. We've been waiting a long time for this. Time oh. tripping and new breed together. We have to come to Asia to do it. Oh, Father, we're so grateful that we can't run from your grace because your grace is chasing. Come on, your grace is yeah. chasing me down. Chasing me down.